Hello, tonight on the Intersection Podcast, we're going to be talking about trauma and the fifth step. So welcome everybody. Thank you for coming. And uh, today we're going to focus on trauma and the fifth step. And uh, I wanted to start with a little interconnectivity, if you will, because there's so many similarities between um, addiction, codependency and trauma. And, you know, and with depression, anxiety, grief and loss, any type of problem like that is going to fall under the trauma category as well as codependency and addiction. Let me explain. Um, People that experience addiction, usually um, 80 to 90% of the people in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous um, in any type of 12 step program usually have encountered some form of significant trauma. And that's just the stats on it. I, you know, I don't make up the stats and it's a staggering amount of that. And I think that that's one of the things that we realized when putting this program together, this life recovery program, is that many of these things go unaddressed and they shouldn't because the steps can be worked successfully on these areas of our life. So we want to delineate to show the differences and the similarities between these um, codependency, uh, trauma, and addiction. So in trauma, it's a complex issue that has a lot of negative emotions that are like the addict and codependent, like I just said. And for this reason, the fifth step can be very, very effective in uncovering uh, toxic emotions. Um, In the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk a lot about resentment. Resentment is the number one offender for alcoholics. Well, guess what? It's the number one offender for humanity. Um, We tend to store and hold on to these negative emotions like a metaphorical suitcase. And wherever we go, there they are. We, We try to make these geographic moves and and change our setting and do this and do that. And unless we deal with these things, they're gonna follow us around wherever we go. And that's the unfortunate part. And the fortunate part is, is that God has a solution for that. And a long time ago, about 1935, the Oxford group realized that talking with another person, a trusted friend about these things that have bothered us for our entire lives has tremendous release. And trauma is no different. Depression's no different. Anxiety's no different. Because what one of us can say that there's not a part of our life that's not unmanageable, um, that we're not powerless over. I mean, everyone has something. And then after realizing that, 
realizing that God could and would if you were sought. I mean, we need to ask God for help in these areas of our life, and he certainly will, but we need to ask him. And then turning our life and our will over to the care of God, surrender, surrendering these things, being sick and tired of being sick and tired and wanting relief in our lives is a good thing. Sometimes that's why God allows bad things to happen because it tempers us. It creates more character in us. It, these trials help us to grow in the image of Christ for everyone. I don't think anybody can avoid trials and tribulation in this life. And, you know, we have to do that and or go through that in order to build character in our lives. And that's so important. And I think that goes back to the fact, well, why doesn't God just heal people? And why does he allow bad things to happen to good people, right? Good question. A lot of theodicy comes out of this question. Now, what I mean by theodicy is we tend to blame God for things. But here's the thing. Free will. We have free will, and without free will, there would be no love. Think about that. If we were just robots and we didn't have any decision, how could we even love? We couldn't love God. We couldn't reciprocate anything. We would just be robots, basically. And so... If you look at all of these things together, it kind of makes sense. We connect the dots here and realize that God's trying to build character through these experiences through us. And so, you know, with trauma, I think the natural tendency is to build up the metaphorical wall and close off from people, to try to insulate ourselves from further harm. And, you know, many times these traumatic memories stay stuck in our limbic system, which is the more primitive part of the mind. It's uh, more instinctual. It's there to keep us safe. But these memories are not meant to stay there. And therein lies the problem. And this is where these negative emotions can hang out too, because it's closely connected. The limbic system's closely connected to our emotions as well. And that's why we can have an emotional or environmental trigger. You see something that reminds you of the traumatic memory. It doesn't have to necessarily be visual. It can be emotional in nature as well. Something that reminds us of the trauma and then we're triggered and we're right back there. We're hyperventilating. Your blood pressure goes through the roof. Your vision constricts. You're all focused in. You can't even concentrate your prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for good decision-making, gets shut off. And therein lies the problem. We don't make good decisions when we're triggered. This is what happens with people in trauma. And, you know, somebody with trauma that didn't experience addiction or codependency or anything of this nature, maybe they're just struggling with trauma or depression or anxiety, they might ask themselves like, well, you know, I don't have these same type of problems, right? But when they peel back the layers and they realize, oh my gosh, I've been shutting off people for years now. I have not allowed God, community, other people, even my family to love me 
because I'm afraid. And I put up these metaphorical walls. So even that in itself is enough to want to get through a situation and realize what's impeding us in our relationships. So that's what we're doing with step five. We're looking at shame. We're looking at resentment. We're looking at pride. We're looking at fear. And three contexts, just like Alcoholics Anonymous said, three contexts, socialization, our friends, how, how are our friends, our friendships, our, our socialization is impacted in so many different ways. It starts with the family. That's how gang activity starts up. It's, it's the absence of the family and they take that place and there's security in that, which brings me to the second instinct, security, provision. Are you affecting my wallet? Are you affecting my livelihood? my security for provision. And then finally, intimacy or procreation. Let me just say it, sex. These things get interfered with and they cause us to feel fearful, resentful, shameful, and prideful. And if you examine these things, usually it can be uh, trailed back to one of these three instincts. So that's what we're trying to identify here. We're trying to peel this thing back and identify things that have held us back for far too long. And when we admit it to another trusted friend, a sponsor, a counselor, a pastor, there is gigantic release, just like James 5.16 says. Confess your sins to one another, not for forgiveness. Jesus Christ has already done that but for healing. And that's what happens in this process. And even for somebody that's just experienced trauma, because you sit down across the table from somebody and you release these things to another person and to God, there's a tremendous process that takes place, a healing process, and you will walk out a different person. It invariably happens. And you can see countless testimonies of this. It's not just me saying this. People have said it since 1935. You got to do the fourth and fifth step. And they go together. The fourth step entails writing these things out. Pencil to paper. Get to it. Get after it. Be courageous. Be fearful. Right? And then admit it to somebody else. And chances are, the person across the table's done far worse, right? And that's invariably what happens to us. We all have problems. We need to stop the stigma and start opening up to release these things to another person and God most of all. But yeah, I hope that helps you. And uh, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to share a little of my life with you. Thank you so much.